Well, as you can see and sense this morning, God is moving in the earth. And he's swiftly beginning to move. And things are beginning to shift and things are beginning to change quickly. And I want things to move quickly. Matter of fact, he is dealing much uh, in the area of the things that have been hidden. Um, I prophesied last year that it would become the year, this year would be the year of exposure. Exposure began in 2019 and it's continuing now in 2020. And we're starting to see more and more things begin to be exposed. And church, we want this. We want this. We don't want to see things continue the way that they are. When we start seeing things come to the fore, they get us a little bit nervous. But the truth is God's allowing it so that we can do anything that's in darkness has power in the kingdom of darkness. So God wants to expose it with his light. And I just believe that God's doing this. It kind of reminds me, it's like, like, like the sludge is coming up out of the cracks and crevices. It reminds me, how many of you ever seen uh, Ghostbusters? You ever seen Ghostbusters? Remember Ghostbusters 2, and they had the slime that came up from the sewer, and it was this evil energy, and it was these evil spirits that were trying to take over New York City, and it was all like hinged upon the, the, um, uh, the, the negative energy of the people and so on. Well, I just believe in a way, I'm not talking about Ghostbusters, but whatever's been hidden in the sewer of the spirit realm is coming up so that God can absolutely deal with it. And we want him to deal with this. Amen. Because God's got better plans on the horizon. Better plans on the horizon. Play a little bit lighter, guys. Yesterday in prayer, I saw um, something begin to happen. Now, typically I don't share these things, but the Lord has been telling me, uh, as the last month or so to begin to open up and share things that I received prophetically. And so I'm beginning to do that. Why don't I do that? Because um, our church has always been on the cutting edge of evangelism, winning people to Jesus, bringing people back that were once serving God. And so our focus has heavily been that. And of course, the prophetic's always been alongside of that, but that's always been secondary to our primary mission. And um, God has totally switched that since COVID. And my prayer life has even went a different direction. And I've always operated in the office of a prophet, kind of a little bit of both apostolic and prophetic. So what do you call me? I don't whatever. Just one guy said, you can call me whatever you want, just don't call me late for dinner. Hallelujah. <laughs> whatever function it is, um, praise God for it. So being able to hear and see things in the realm of the spirit. And so yesterday I was in prayer, sitting right over here on the, the steps over there, you can't see them sitting there and praying and as I was praying I saw heaven open now I've already prophesied that we're under an open heaven but I saw like uh, like as if the uh, the ceiling of this uh, auditorium was opened and you could see all the way through through the heavens and it was just wide open and I begin to thank God Lord thank you so much thank you for this open heaven and just like that I saw a massive amount of angels that God was commissioning to come to earth. Some of them quite possibly have never been here. They've always been in heaven, but they have a, they have a particular assignment that's attached to them. You go, God ever, always does things with purpose and, and with assignment attached to it. And so they were coming with a great assignment. This mass of heaven, it's like God was saying, it's not open for nothing. I have um, an agenda and I am sending these angels on assignment. And as I, as, 
as these angels were coming, I could hear the angels and I could hear a chant that they were saying. And the chant was this, and it was beautiful. The chant was, the king is coming. The king is coming. Made straight the way. The king is coming to visit. This is the day of visit. This is how was, the king is coming to visit. That's how they're saying it. This is the day of visitation. The king is coming. And then they said this, he's coming. He's going to visit religions, and the knees are going to bow, for the king is coming. The king is coming. Everybody say, even so, Lord, come quickly. Come on. Father, today in this house, we want to thank you that you are making a way for your son's return. And we thank you that the spirit of God is being poured out upon all flesh until our sons and daughters will prophesy and our old men will have visions. Thank you, Lord God, that every human life will be touched by you before it's all said and done. Thank you, Lord God, for the anointing that you've given us, even through your kingdom, Lord God. So we say, come quickly, come quickly, come quickly. Lord, we prophesy and we say, make straight the way of the Lord in our lives. Everything that's crooked, Lord God, make it straight. We want to get it right. We want to live it right. We want to come back to you. It's time to return back to you, Lord God. And I see it and I believe it and thank you for it. Now bless this word today in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Now, now by the way, I, 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 I put something out there on social media. And I said to, I said to everyone that um, um, I said to everyone that I believe that God is opening people's eyes right now in the body of Christ. And then again, the morning, this, this Lord prophesied through me and says that he's removing the blinders off of his people. You know, we have to see what he sees. I said it last week. I'll say it again. This is not about what Jeff Pruitt believes. This is not about what Jeff Pruitt, his opinion. Neither should it be your opinion. I know we all have them. We all like God to be in a certain way, in a certain box. And then he comes and blows our minds, right? And there are some things that I'm, I'm going to be saying in, in the weeks to, to, to follow uh, that are not always necessarily my opinion, but they're what God wants. And so God gets what he wants. That's what it's called. It's called obedience, and it's better than sacrifice. Who's ready to really follow God? 10, 15, 20 of you. Well, 21, 22. <laughs> the rest of you, I know you are. You, you, you just, you're, you're worried about what I'm going to say, what I'm going to prophesy. Well, just know this. If God's truly in it, it will come to pass, number one. And number two, and number two, it's for good. It's not for evil. It's for good. I know my thoughts to you, says the Lord. I have plans of, of good and not of evil, says the Lord. That's what his word says. We have his promise on that. Amen? So let's believe God. These angels are coming to make preparations for the greatest, I believe, coming awakening the world has ever known. Is it the last great awakening? I don't know. I, not, God's not said it to me. But it will be the greatest one we've ever had. There's over 7 billion people on this planet who need Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Amen, somebody. So Jesus said in Matthew 6, but seek first the kingdom of God. Everybody say the kingdom of God. And his righteousness, his, his way of doing and being right. And all these things shall be added to you. What are the things to be added to us? The things that the Gentiles sought after. They want a good education for their children. They want to eat uh, three square meals a day. They want a roof over their head. They want clothes to wear. They want a job to provide, to provide for the family. Uh, they, wanted, they wanted the things of life. And so God says, I'm not against you having the things of life. I just want, the, the, here's what I want from you. I want to be first. 
I'm just asking you to put me first place. Isn't that beautiful that God says, as long as I'm first, I'll make you first. I'll bless you and I'll do it. I'll do it in the middle of a drought just to show the world what I'm able to do. That got me excited right there. By the way, our building's paid off. Debt free. Debt free. Prove it, Pastor. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence. It's my evidence of things not seen. How could you say that right in the middle of all the stuff going on? This is how God operates. This is what I choose to believe. Do you choose to believe it for you? Hallelujah. Last week, we found out that this kingdom that we were talking about is not a place. It's a method. It's a way of doing and being right. His righteousness. It's spirit manifesting in the earth. It's the spirit realm manifesting in the earth. And we talked about the fact that we are citizens of this kingdom, his kingdom, by way of birth. So the way that you get into his kingdom, there's only one way in. And that is, the Bible says, you must be born again. So you get in through your birth certificate. The Bible says that when you come to Jesus Christ, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. That's your birth certificate. That makes you instantly a citizen of heaven and the citizen, by the way, there's a difference between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of earth. The kingdom of heaven is God's kingdom in heaven. The kingdom of God is God's realm in the earth. The spirit realm in the earth through you and I. So we don't say see here, see there, but the kingdom is where? It's in you, in me. So now the kingdom goes with us wherever we go. And we were born into it. So you must be born again. Because some people say, well, I can't help my actions because I was born this way. How many heard that before? I was born this way. Well, let's not even argue that. Let's say you're born this way. That's why you must be born again. Everybody's born into sin. And sin takes many shapes. Amen. And so... We are now in a kingdom. So we as born-again believers are not considered his royal subjects. Hang with me. I'm not trying to get deep. I'm just trying to tell you how this operates. We're not his royal subjects, but we are his children. And the Bible says that he treats children better than he would a subject or a servant by way of our birth. We've been born again by the blood of Jesus, okay? So we receive certain benefits from the king, not as a servant or a slave or, or, or a subject, but as a child. Imitate, the Bible says, your father, God, imitate God as dear children. Okay? We come into the kingdom, Jesus said, as a little child. That doesn't mean we stay childish the rest of our lives, but we come in by way of birth. We're born again. We become baby believers, and we mature, and we get, we get older in Christ. And then the Bible talks about the fact that we are heirs to God's throne. The only heir to a king is his children. And then the Bible says we're joint heirs with Christ. Don't get me preaching too soon up in here this morning. Because that makes me excited. That, that, that lets me know that everything that God promised his son, the first fruits, come on, which was Jesus, everything he promised him, he's got to give to me. I'm his child, you're his child, and we are joint heirs with Christ, which means whatever's in that account that belongs to Jesus belongs to me. We're jointly connected. I'm an heir to his throne. 
I'm not treated badly by God. I'm treated in love now. He's not just my judge. One day we're all going to be judged by, the, by, the, by God. But the truth is, right now we understand him as the Father. We cry, Abba, Father. We can come boldly into the throne room of grace. We can interrupt meetings in heaven and spend time with God. To as many as received him, to them he, be, he gave rights to become the children of God. We were born again into a kingdom. Then we found out that, in fact, God is king and that the word king means the ruler who sets the standards. So in this kingdom or this kingship that God has established in us, there are standards. And God is calling his people back to a place of standards. You that are serving God, you know in your heart things are not right. You know things are out of control. I'm not talking about the world. I'm talking about in your own life. It's like I just feel like things are not right. That's the Holy Ghost. That's not a bad feeling. That should be a good feeling that you're being convicted, which means you are a child of God. But if you're sitting here right now at the sound of my voice and none of this matters to you, and your heart is cold, you've got to check your salvation. You may not be born again. I'm not saying that to hurt you. I'm saying you can be. You can be. It can change today. The scariest place you should ever feel or be in your life is when you have a heart that's hardened and you can't feel anything. So we pray that God would open our hearts. The Bible calls it the circumcision of the heart. A covenant of the heart that my heart is open to feel and to know God's ways and standards. So God has placed in us standards. He's placed in us absolutes. There are absolutes with God. You can have absolute answers with God. There are no ambiguity with, no ambiguity with God. There's no gray areas with God. It's right or it's wrong. And that's a beautiful thing. And there's morality with God. God is calling his people to live moral lives. And I'm careful because I, I don't want to set a, a bunch of legalistic things for us to do because that can be just as evil. But to each of us, we should, be, we should be following the Holy Spirit's leading to know what is moral and what is not moral. There are things we should not be involved in. And we know it and we keep doing it and we wonder why we can't get the blessing. But the benefits of the kingdom come to those who live by the standards that the king has put in place. And church, we need, uh, how do I put this? We need a moral compass. Let me just say the scripture away. We need discernment. Because right now in this world, they are literally, just as Jesus predicted and prophesied, they're literally calling good evil and evil good. And we've got, this is the sad state. We've got the church, a lot of the church, that are believing the nonsense of the world that we wouldn't have thought about believing 20 years ago. Remember, remember this devil beguiled Adam and Eve in the beginning of time. Where? Where did he beguile them? At the tree of knowledge of good and evil. In other words, it's like this. It's like more knowledge we get, the more we get away from God. God says, that's for me to know, and I'll reveal it when I want to reveal it, but until then, I will not. You don't touch this tree because you can't handle the knowledge of it. And it was right there, the desire to know more, 
to have intellectual uh, assent toward was the moment they were deceived and the glory lifted off of them. We need discernment. We need the blinders to truly be off of our eyes. We need a moral compass that says this is right and that is wrong. And if it feels wrong down in your spirit, but your mind wants to intellectualize it, well, you know, you have to understand. No! No! If God forbids it, you're not supposed to do it. Why am I yelling? Because I see the body of Christ running out in the street. And there's a Mack truck coming to kill them. So we have to wake up. I didn't mean to get into all this today, but, you know, the, this whole controversy with Netflix and Cuties, this, this show called Cuties and all this stuff, and I'm not going to get into all of that right now today. I, po- I posted a little something on there, and you got people defending Netflix. I think, what in the world are people doing? What is going on with people? They've lost their moral compass. Why would you even care about, even care about defending Netflix? Well, I'm trying to defend their, their, their intentions. You, for one thing, you don't know the intent of anything. But I can look in the spirit. I can see. It doesn't take a rocket scientist or a great prophet to understand this was done on purpose. It was done to push the envelope. And maybe the person that actually did the documentary, the movie, wanted to do good with it and pushed it a little bit too far, whatever. And they pushed it way, way, way too far. But Netflix on purpose had those camera shots a certain way. Don't be deceived. God wants, and I'm telling you, it blew up in their faces. And let me just tell you what's happening. God is using it to expose the pedophilia that's going on in America and around the world. You watch and see. It's coming down in Jesus' name. Discernment, folks. Let's take a look at what Jesus has to say. As he identifies the kingdom culture in Matthew chapter 7, 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. What? Huh? What? But he who does the will of my Father in heaven, those are the ones that are going to enter his heaven. Those are the ones who are obedient to what he asks of them. But, you know, it's not fair because it ostracizes a certain kind of people. God didn't say if it was fair to you or not. I'm trying to get you to understand he's not concerned with your opinion. The air traffic controller does not not allow the pilot to run his job. The air traffic controller has, has the full view picture from 40,000 feet. And he knows who, where the planes are at at all times. So if he asks you to you fly 25,000 feet and you say, nope, I'm at 35,000 feet because that's the best, that's the best optimum level for my plane, you are out of line and they'll pull your license. Why? Because he knows there's a plane that's flying to the same speed at the, at the same height that's coming right at you. You don't tell the air traffic controller what to do. You listen to what he's got to say. The same thing is with God. Poor analogy, but it gets across my point. God sees everything. His opinion is what matters, not mine. And of course, we handle things in love. Of course we do. Don't get me wrong. But he says, there are going to be people calling me Lord, Lord, and they ain't going to make it. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord. Have we not prophesied in your name? 
cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name? These are people that supposedly are in ministry. And then I would declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. I can't imagine the, 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 the horror of those words. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. God is not involved in lawlessness. Wherever you see lawlessness, God is apart from it. The devil comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Be careful, Pastor, what you say. I will be careful what I say. I'm going to be careful to say what he says to say. Depart from me. I never knew you. In other words, you never had a relationship with me. You used my name to do things, but it was never for my glory. It was for your glory. You built your name. You built and established your ministry. You got famous, but that wasn't me. I wasn't involved. You never allowed me to be involved. Is this too strong for Sunday mornings? I feel like y'all, some of y'all, I just came to visit today. Um, I had no, I, this was just crazy. Well, welcome to the church of the 21st century. This is where we're going. This is where God wants to take us. Matthew 7, Jesus says in verse 24, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And then the rain came, floods came, and winds, and they beat upon the house. And it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. So that tells me that if I'm doing what the Lord says to do, okay, then I'm wise, he says, and I'm building strong. So when life hits me hard, fine. I'll just lock my door for a little bit, close my, make sure that my, you know, my windows are closed, and I will move on because I will, I'm not going to fall. I'm going to keep going, but watch this. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine is, and, does not, and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the same sand, and the rains descended, the floods came, and the houses blew, the winds blew and beat upon the house, and it fell, and great was its fall. And so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings that the people were astonished at his teaching for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Scribes speak with those who can uh, have big words and, and who, can, who, and who will uh, astonish you with, with uh, uh, their history uh, and, and, and what they can bring theologically to the table. They have doctorates in theology, and they, have, they, they, they can use words that you go, wow, this guy's smart. Wow, that's intriguing stuff. But it's different when you walk and talk in authority. Authority changes things. Remember, the kingdom of God is not a destination. It's God's rule of authority, which he put inside of you. So the king in his kingdom I and the Father shall live in you, he said, which there's a rule of authority on the inside of you that wherever you go, when you speak and when you act, do not undermine yourself when you pray and when you declare. We can change. Isn't that what we're saying the song, Prophesy? I'm changing my words. That's, I've been preaching that for 20 years here. 
Jesus was operating in that authority, and it, it astonished them. And the ones that became angry and got stirred up was the religious community. All the preachers. The spirit of religion hates true prophets. The spirit of religion hates true apostles of God. Why? Because they cannot be controlled. I always want to preach a message the day Satan came, or the devil came to the church. Because the devil comes to church every Sunday. He's always trying to slip in the door with a spirit of religion to woo the people to sleep, to say, just stay in your place. You can have church here. I'll let you have some church. But don't you take it beyond here. I'll let you have a form of godliness, but you ain't getting no power. I don't know about you, but I can't have, I can't take no more form of godliness. I want to have some power in my words, some power in my action. I want to see change in America, change in my city, change in my family. Come on. Religion stops that. Some of our trusted intercessors began to pick up a strong religious spirit that wants to attack our church. And personally, I believe it's more than just our church. I believe it's the body of Christ in general. But certainly they're the watchers, and so they're always believing God for our ministry. It's, it's, it's every church, I believe, is trying to be attacked by the Spirit. Every believer that decides to walk in authority of Jesus Christ, religion wants to shut them down. Religion wants you to stay neutral. Don't open your mouth. Don't get too radical. Stay in step. And don't you rock the boat. I think it's time we rock the boat. I think it's time we rock the boat of pedophilia and child endangerment. I said, I think it's time to rock the boat of abortion, the genocide of a generation. I think it's time we rock the boat of church censorship and the freedom of speech. I think it's time we rock the boat of the sex industry and sex trafficking in our nation. I think it's time we rock the boat of uh, socialism, Marxism, communism that tries to silence the church. It's time to step out. Church is high time. Shout it's high time. Time to get a backbone. Time to stand up and be heard. You ain't gonna make me sit down. It's time to hope. It's time to get a Rosa Park spirit on you that says today is the last day. You tell me to go to the back of the bus. I'm sick. Come on. That's how you affect change. I said, that's when you make a decision, you can't stand it no more. Hey, it's like a lie who that says, I can't be quiet. I may be younger than you, Job, but I got fire shut up in my bones. Hallelujah. There was a German pastor. There was a German pastor by the name, you may have heard of him, by the name of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And he was a um, pastor in Germany 
in the 30s and 40s. And I need to change the mic. Are we good? We'll work it out. And um, the mic can't even handle the anointing. <laughs> I think I'm squeezing it so hard, I was squeezing the battery out of it. <laughs> but um, he was a, a pastor in Germany, and he saw how socialism was taking control through Adolf Hitler. And he dared, as a pastor, to stand up and say, this is wrong. This is going to take our rights away as a church. This was back in the 40s when Hitler came on the scene. And we can't allow this to, to, to do this. He was a scholar, a theologian, a very smart man, but he was very dedicated to the things of Christ and a Lutheran pastor. And so he started speaking out against euthanasia because that was the new buzzword now in its time. He started speaking out against the expulsion of Jews or the persecution of the Jews. And, and his people loved it, and they were coming. But the problem is the government of that time didn't like it at all. Got wind to all, all the way up to Hitler, and they had him arrested, thrown into a concentration camp. And there, after some time, he was, thank you, sir, he was, in fact, tried, found guilty for speaking against the government. And they shot and they killed him. And this man, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, became a martyr for Christ in Germany. There's something about the blood of those who give their lives for the cause of the kingdom of God. It speaks. The Bible says the blood speaks. Jesus' blood speaks on your behalf. Back when the first murder took place with Cain killing Abel, the Bible says that God says, what is this I hear? I hear the sound of Abel's blood crying out to me. And this man seeming like, well, where did God, how did God save him? But his story went around the world and began to inspire those that said, we will not bow our knee just like Bonhoeffer. We will stand even if we have to die. We will stand. We will not allow on our watch the devil to come in our world and take all of our rights away. We will not allow this. We can't see people be persecuted. And a man, young man, people didn't know much about him by the name of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Read all of his writings. Knew of his testimony. Told other people how much it inspired him. And this man, with that inspiration, marched. And the Civil Rights Act began in America for change. And it cost him his life. I always say this. What are we willing to lay our life down for? People say, you know, I, you know, this is what I, you know, I believe and so on. But are you willing to literally lay it on the line? Look, we need to walk in that kind of authority. The authority that Jesus walked in, as a matter of fact. The authority that Jesus walked in shut the religious community down. It stunned them. It shocked them. They could not combat the force of it. Matthew eleven twelve 12 says, And from the days of John the Baptist until now the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. Somewhere we've got to get violent. What does that word violent mean? It is the Greek word biezo. It's the word biezo. And it means this. It means to show intensity. It means to exercise authority with passion. When's the last time you passionately exercise your authority in your home? 
over your children. When's the last time you beazoed? Exercise your authority passionately over your health, your money, your marriage, over America. Let me just say, when you declare God's will on the earth, there's going to be a confrontation. And I have prophesied that this next move of God will be a move of confrontation. God has drawn a line in the sand. And it starts with his people. And he's saying, what side shall you choose? I'm like Peter, man. Jesus started talking crazy. Sometimes Jesus talked crazy to, to, to the natural mind. He said, all right, everybody. Been a good day. Had a great time, great meeting. Thousands been healed and so on. One more thing I want to say before everybody goes tonight. I need you to drink my blood and eat my flesh before we go tonight. Is that okay with everybody? Is that good? We good? And the Bible says he didn't explain himself. He knew what he was speaking of. But he leaves it right there. Because he can only do what the Father says to do. I bet there was a struggle in him seeing their eyes go, what? and he's, I want to explain it. God says, leave it. And the Bible says, many walked away from him that day, and he turned to the disciples and said, are you also going to walk away from me? And Peter, this is going to be my cry forever. How can I walk away when you have the words of eternal life? In other words, I don't get it. I think it's crazy. I don't even know what's going on right now. But I just know who you are. And I'm going to trust in who you are above what I think should be said or not said. Amen. So this next move, the will of God being carried off in the earth, is going to be a move of confrontation with what is and with what's about to be. Confrontation is necessary for change. What you are not changing, you are choosing. I wish I coined that phrase, but that's by Dr. Caroline Leaf. What you are not changing, you are choosing. So confrontation to choose, to make a decision, is what brings about the change. This kind of preaching... I like the rah-rah stuff only. You know, I, like, I want to encourage people. I, to me, this is encouraging, but I understand. It's kind of like Jesus saying, eat my blood, uh, flesh and drink my blood. It, it will divide people. When Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he said, pray this, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He was saying, in effect, you cannot stop the kingdom of God. It's coming. It's coming. The king is coming. He's coming. He's coming. The king is coming. It's a force. It's not a place. Unfortunately, there's something that can limit the kingdom of God, and that is compromise. And when we begin to compromise, and I have much to say about it, which I don't have the time to say right now, but when we begin to compromise, it leads to one main thing, and that's idolatry. When you comp begin to compromise your morals with God, Compromise the standards of God's word. And you get one foot in that world and one foot in that, in that kingdom. I'm going to tell you who's going to win. It will never be the kingdom because your flesh and your mind will always want to side with the world. Lust of the eyes, the flesh, and the pride of life, the Bible says, right? 
and is always wanting the world, so you can't have it both ways. That's why you have to be radical in your decisions. Confront yourself and say, I'm getting all the way in with God. It won't be easy. You will make mistakes. You will sin. But thank God he'll forgive you. If you walk tight with him, you'll get better at it. But you're not making a decision to have one foot in the world, two, and the, and the, and the church. And so that compromise, it leads to compromise. And compromise leads to idolatry. In other words, you put another God above God. What is idolatry really? Idolatry really is worship. That's really what it is in space form. It means to worship. Worshiping what? Other gods. You could put yourself above God. That becomes your God. Your wife could be above God. Your husband could be above God. Your children could be above God. Your job could be above God. Your things above God. You name it. Right? And God says, I'll have no other gods before me. And worship means to what? To... <laughs> It means to give everything. It's like that piezo. It means passionately with, with energy and intensity to give everything of your time, your talents, and your treasures. Yes, it's about all three. Because even Jesus said where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So one preacher years ago taught us and said, I can show you where your heart is. I thought, what is he? How, how can he do that? And at the time, checkbooks were, you know, you don't see checkbooks as much anymore. He said, but he said, check the balance register on your checkbook. Y'all got quiet on me. And whatever you've written in the last month or two, and, and most of the money where it goes, he says, that's where your heart is. If you, whatever you love, you begin to worship. In other words, sometimes it's, it's good worship. It's not idolatry. Other times it's bad, right? Love is love. But when we worship God, it means you get everything of mine. I'm going to give you my time. You came to the house of God today. Many of you that feel compromised with your immune system are at home today. And, but you, you didn't have to tune in, but you did. You are right now. You, you, you made time for God. That's awesome. Your talents means your abilities. You just give what you have to God. Your artistry, your, your handiness, your, 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 your intellect, whatever it may be. And then your treasure, your offering. Don't be afraid. Give your tithe and your offering. It's the kingdom way. For the kingdom of God is if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He doesn't know how, but if he goes to sleep and wakes up in the morning... It will begin to sprout and grow and become a harvest, gaining 30, 60, and 100 fold. Those that are watching me online, stay connected with your giving. Those that are here today, stay connected. That's what true worship is.